about that time, about that time, about that time, yeah, about that time. Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. And pick it up right where Kessler left off, it's Broome with the block. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. We missed you, the jungle is already in mid-season form. No feelings, no gimmicks. Just ball. Benny Johnson in transition. Now, here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. All right, folks, we're going dancing. And I, I, I put a tweet out there that, man, the majority of my lifetime, Auburn has been sitting at home in March. And I, I've had to, like, a very, as a neutral, put together my brackets no one outside of Auburn, you know, no one's caring about what Auburn was doing. We we were so excited in 2009, I believe, to make the NIT and maybe go to the final four of the NIT. Now we're just kind of like, man, yeah, we're almost expecting the March Madness now, but it's still so exciting. We're here. Uh, I wanted to start out the pod by talking about uh, Red Mo- Vodka's final four bracket where you play against Charles Barkley. That's what we're going to do as a pod uh, and hopefully get you guys out here. And I think our big plan is... You guys sign up on the Barkley Final Four Rudmont uh, situation on their website. I got my drink here. You guys sign up, put as your username, the jungle, like hyphen, dash, whatever, and your actual name as your username. And we'll keep a lot shot on that in our podcast. And whoever wins from our podcast that puts the jungle before their name can come on the podcast either for our year-end wrap or just in general next year whenever it fits for you guys. Uh, so we'll have some whoever wins. I mean, if you guys win, unless it's somebody from our pod, you're a better expert than us, so you can come on and talk about it with us for, for an episode. And I think they're doing well, a cool so thing. They're doing a cool we'll thing. We'll make you a custom graphic for social media. There you go. Ben's our <laughs> socials guy. and He makes some cool graphics. And I think the thing they're doing with Redmont, too, is if you win, if you get a perfect bracket, Charles Barkley will pay you $1 million, which is pretty cool. Which will be, I mean, it's astronomical odds that happens. But, hey, man, sign up, get $1 million of Charles Barkley if you figure it out. And then, two, if you get a better bracket than Charles Barkley, they send you a bumper sticker. I believe it says, I beat Charles Barkley. That's going to look great on a laptop or a water bottle. Or whatever. So it's just a lot of fun. It's free. Get on there again. Put the jungle dash your name under username, and we'll keep track of it on the pod. Uh, Matt, Ben, we made the tournament. Matt, you want to give us like a, a, a kind of rundown of what everybody needs to know about making the tournament? Yeah, the, so we're a nine seed, which is, I think, higher than most of us thought. I know there was a chance. There's some weird projections. Nine seed playing in Birmingham on the same day that Alabama's playing in Birmingham. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Like, that's a huge deal for Birmingham just as a city to have that work out that way. Playing Iowa, uh, we'll get into them a little bit later in the podcast. We're in the 8-9 game and potentially playing Houston, number one seed, um, you know, in the round of 32. So and we're playing at 650 Eastern, 650, uh, on Thursday night on TNT. So there's all your logistics details. Ben, you excited? I'm very excited. Iowa is a great matchup for us. Uh, they kind of finished the year on a little bit of a skid, just like we did. They were one and done in their conference tournament. Uh, I believe they finished fifth overall in the Big Ten. They pulled some upsets off this year, but uh, as we get into the breakdown a little bit later, we can talk about how we match up with them. Let's get in a little bit. Uh, we almost talked about in the pot if we wanted to talk about this Arkansas game at all. We have to touch on a bit. We're going to try to keep it short. I didn't get to watch the Arkansas SEC tournament game. I know after that Tennessee game and the close Alabama game, we really were hoping we could kind of turn a corner, maybe get a game or two in the SEC tournament and come into the NCAA tournament hot. Didn't work out. We lost close. Uh, Matt was there in person. You want to kind of go over a couple little things there that you saw? Yeah. Um... Tough draw. I mean, Arkansas is probably the best 10 seed I've ever seen in the SEC tournament. They're an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. They were 10 in the the way they finished the SEC season. Um, I think seeing them in person, just, man, their length, their length is just so pronounced. Granted, it's against our small guards, but you just see that NBA talent and length. Um, Arkansas is pretty good. I think they're very dangerous. Um, they're, they're in line to play Kansas a one seed in the second round, potentially. I think that could be a great game. Um, Tough game, tough game for Auburn. It's a tough matchup. Nick Smith Jr. was back for Arkansas. He's the one who ultimately hit the game-winning basket. Um, But ultimately, it was just Taylor's oldest time for this team. Um, They had some lax moments. They fell behind by too much, according to the Matt system. And then they rallied back, actually to take a lead in the last minute briefly, only to give it up and then make a a really – 
horrible decision and that ultimately kind of costs them the game. So uh, tough loss, close loss. Uh, to another one, team. another one. And, and that is the story of the season. And now you're going to be playing an Iowa team that most likely is going to, I assume this will be another close game and can Auburn find a way. And they haven't very often this year. So I think the biggest thing was the length of Arkansas and then from being in person, you know, Wendell Green's decision for better, or for worse on uh, after Nick Smith Jr. Hit that jumper to just push the ball like crazy with 15 or 20 seconds left down one in the double bonus. It's just a very question in my mind, a very questionable decision, um, because even if he gets fouled, even if he makes a shot, you're up one and Arkansas's coming back down with 15 seconds to go and they're in the bonus, too. So I, I thought we could have hunted a better shot with that time and honestly being there live he was down the floor in like two or three seconds like it was so fast and I know people could say well Bruce should have called a timeout but I mean it just happened I, I was shocked that it happened that way I don't know what Ben's thoughts were watching so those were the big things that kind of stood yeah. out and, and Jalen Williams was absent and not there and we got killed on the glass those are my observations yeah, and we saw Bruce call the timeout that he needed to towards the end of the game. Katie Johnson uh, was playing his typical hero ball. Somehow this guy needs us to be down double digits to show up. But um, every time we're getting our tails kicked, he is the spark plug that seems to get us back in the game. Defense, offense, he was doing it all for us. Um, we had a look late to try to hit a three-pointer tied up, and Bruce let Katie bring it straight down the floor and mess around for about seven or eight seconds before he realized we didn't have a shot there. Um, once again, we saw the genius of, of Bruce and this coaching staff. They drew up a fantastic play to get us a decent look um, at the end of the game. We just don't have that guy. And we saw that the, the difference with that Arkansas team. They have a guy. They have a guy that's going to be a lottery pick like we had a Jabari Smith last year. And the, the recipe for this team to win is not to be in these close matchups. We seem to be lacking that clutch gene offensively overall. Um, and... Yeah, we just got absolutely brutalized on the glass, and Jalen Williams is a non-factor, and we lose basketball games when he does not play. Mm -hmm. so. You know, part part of my discussion on some of these older games, and I'll be curious if you guys confirm or deny this, it's starting to feel like after you lose this many close games, it can no longer be a, hey, we stayed in it, we just got unlucky and just didn't pull it off. At some point, it's, you know, it goes from a trend to a coinc or coincidence to a trend to maybe that's just who we are. We don't have that go-to guy to go get it. I mean, thoughts guys on like is this just how it has been i think you're you're alluding to like we just can't get close games clearly that's not a strength well it's more than not a strength it's a it's a style thing um where this team excels is doing the things that it does well consistently over the course of an entire game we saw that uh in the first matchup with arkansas we saw that on the road against south carolina and in the initial matchup against ole miss um and we really saw that against missouri this is an inside-out basketball team that needs to score inside early and often and needs to build a lead that it protects. Um, coming from, from being down is a lot harder when we lack the depth that we thought we might have had at the beginning of the year. If we were a team that could go 10 guys deep consistently and not just hope that our bench holds serve when they're out there on the floor, it's probably a bit of a different conversation. But we've gotten a chance to look at the plus-minus over the whole year. And for all of the uh, amazing plays that we've seen from Trey Donaldson, he has our worst plus minus because when he's on the floor, he's typically out there with most of the backup guys. So that just goes to show you that when our starters are not in, we are consistently losing ground. And that makes it hard to win games if they don't turn that rotation over up enough points. I, I still think, I agree with you. I still think a big piece of our, we've lost early in the year. We talked about how our depth should be our strength, right? And that really shrunk away. But you see, like, how does Auburn come back from down 15 or down 17 to West Virginia or down 15 to Arkansas? It, it took Katie Johnson playing the best half of basketball he's played all year. And that was like, fine. like we've talked about how offense for this team is like finding gold. Like when you get easy baskets in transition or when Katie goes for 20 plus, I mean, like that's, that's what we need if we're going to put ourselves in those holes to even come back. So I do give them credit. Like I know, and I probably disagree with you guys a little bit because we came back from down 15, took the lead and we defended their last possession as well as we possibly could. And the guy hits a tough shot to Ben's point. They've got four draft picks on their, on the floor at any given time um, for the most part. And one of their guys made a play, but I do Jalen came off the bench at a minute and a half, hit a bucket Flanagan hit the best shot. I think I've ever seen him hit to give us the lead with less than a minute to go super clutch. So I just think the last minutes come down to all these little things and it's our fault for allowing so many of our games 
to be um, in that position. Tennessee struggled with the same thing. And if you look at Auburn last year and Alabama this year, the thing that great teams do is they don't, you're going to lose some of those close games when you're in them, regardless of what you do. But Alabama has been blowing people out and Tennessee at times has blown people out. Last year, we blew a lot of people out and we were up 10 or 20 where you're not vulnerable to a bad call, a missed shot, a lucky play, any of that stuff. I'd be curious to see our luck metrics. I know we've joked about the luck metric, but we've seen years where our luck metrics really high and we win a lot of close games. And then we've had, it feels like this year, our luck metrics have got to be one of the worst ones out there. You would think we would just luck into some of these close wins at some point, you know, but I said, we'd keep it short in the Arkansas game. Uh, You know, we don't have to dwell on that one when we have exciting March madness, the dance to go to. I was looking over here at Auburn's NCAA tournament appearances in history because I said the majority of my life they haven't been in it. And that's so true. Before Bruce Pearl got to Auburn in my lifetime, we'd only made it three times, 1999, 2000, 2003, that in my entire lifetime before Bruce, that was 20 plus years. I only got to see them play three times. Some of them are pretty young there, but man, since he's gotten here, we've got 2018, 2019, right to 2022 and 2023. And man, I guess they don't count 2020. They should they should count 2020, man. I know we didn't I know it didn't happen, but that was nothing I was gonna bring. No doubt we were getting a bid. Yes, that's I'm gonna count five there. We didn't get to watch it, but we at least we would have made it. And uh, you know, I was gonna bring that up too. That man, three years ago, about this day was when March Madness got canceled, the NBA got suspended and all that. So, man, enjoy the fact that we're watching basketball out here. I know there's been some frustrating games, but man, we're gonna get together. A lot of you in person in Birmingham or to get together with your friends and family and go to this game. And man, it's just cool to be here. I'm Jackson, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I believe March 12th was the day New York City shut down, right? (laughs) For for me, March 11th is my day when the NBA suspended. That was the day I was like, oh, it's going down. So I was was looking at that today and made it. And then they canceled March Madness, man. It was. I think the night before was when. somebody on the Timberwolves had tested positive and the referees came out to mid court and they said, no, we're Ru- done. Rudy, Rudy, go, Rudy, Rudy, Gobert, Gobert, Rudy Gobert at the J- I watched it literally today. Cause I wanted to put a, I wanted to like put it on my Instagram and be like, just remember where we could be. And today we're talking about basketball and the idea that March Madness could ever have gotten canceled. We don't have to get super far into that right now, but man, it's just yeah. cool to be here. I don't know if you guys have some stats or anything. I know there's been a lot thrown around on Twitter and things that are like, how cool is it? that we've made this many times with Bruce, or I think I saw a great stat about our at a conference schedule, how many teams made the tournament. Is there any stats you guys have seen out there that seem to like blow you away? Um, I, I wanted to echo right after the Tennessee game, Bruce and Marlene, I'm sure. And everybody on that staff, they were all in lockstep saying we've made five out of six. And I think that was intentional and it does count the COVID year. Cause that team would have been a five, six seed, whatever. So five out of six. on this Wikipedia, man, whoever's the Wikipedia editor, get this done. I know that's like a thing you could do. Anyone can do. It. I don't know how to do it. If you're listening to this podcast, go edit the thing and put 2020 in there. Five out of six is huge. We've talked about how rare four in a row is in college basketball. This is number two in a row. And then um, I, I think Ben sent us this, you know, uh, we hit, we set a program record, I believe of games against tournament teams with 13 of our games this year were against tournament opponents. And then six of those were out in that non-conference schedule that a lot of us weren't super in that. We didn't enjoy it as much as we could have, but, but that's good scheduling. And that's why our metrics held us together when our record was falling apart. So I, I think the staff and Burgermaster and all those guys deserve a ton of credit. Can can you name them, Matt? Can I can we get you to name all six of our conference that made? Don't look. Don't look. I, it's I trivia time. Bracket. I can't look don't at my look, no can't look at the bracket. Don't look at the bracket. Um Memphis, West okay. Virginia, USC, Northwestern, the small ones. Who are the small ones? Ben, you got the other two. Ben's can, ben can steal. Ben can steal if you can. All right, get I'm going to steal this because we uh, Texas Southern and Colgate, and we wow. were within one game. Bradley was within one game if they had just won their conference championship. But you want to talk about a March Madness? We got a preview of that in the conference tournaments. I think the first week of conference tournaments, something like four or five one seed overall one seeds in these mid majors lost. Yeah. And, and then it, that's it. They're done. Me- they're out. Let me tell you something about Colgate. This is another weird tangent, but every, every couple of years or a couple of times now, I've, I've gone to all the different alumni bars in New York City. Like it's not a college town, but man, there's there's alums from everywhere. So it's really fun. I made a whole list. Me and my friend Ryan went out to all the different bars. We bopped all around for two days in a row in cool jerseys, whatever. And consistently, two different times we went, 
One, Auburn, New York City bar is by far one of the best ones out there. But two, Colgate. Colgate is not that far from New York City. And twice they have had amazing parties during the games. Last year against Wisconsin, two or three years ago against Tennessee. They lost both times. But man, shout out to Colgate. They will always forever be in my mind as like a great party school during March Madness. So if you want like a little funny team to cheer for, that's a fun one. Here's another stat for you. Um, I, You know, quietly, the SEC got the most teams in tied with the Big Ten in the tournament. So eight teams in Vanderbilt got left out and they were as hot as anybody. They came up just short. Um, last year, the SEC was a dud in the NCAA tournament. Fortunately for us, everybody lost pretty much except for Arkansas in the first weekend. So really curious to see how the SEC, you know, set of teams does this year. I'm hoping so we're a dud. Potential road. I'm hoping we're a dud overall, except for the nine seats. <laughs> just just nine seats from the SEC. You can do good. Everyone else be a dud. But yeah, go ahead with the road here. I see we got Iowa coming up first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa's first. We'll get into Iowa a little bit more of a breakdown. But uh, our number one overall seed in our bracket is Houston. Um, we don't want to call them a paper tiger, but they did need a last second basket to beat Memphis, who is a team that Auburn has played. And they did lose at home to Alabama pretty handily, if I recall. I think it was um, almost double digits. They lost to Memphis today, too, by double digits. Oh, they did lose the conference championship. Wow, okay. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I guess if you're looking at number one seeds, too, I'm interested to see. Like, It would be the second game we play. As an Auburn fan base, we are not used to this being the eight or nine seed. I mean, we've only made the tournament a couple times so far, but it's all been as five seed, I believe, so far. So we've had this great time where we could play a decent but less good than us opponent, and then the next game is like a 50-50 game. This is the first time we've played a 50-50 game and then what feels like almost an impossibility, it happens every year. People pull this off. It just really sucks to, to like for us to what feels like a good year in the tournament is to make that Sweet 16 and make that second week. And that seems to be kind of what people baseline are like, if you can do that, you're good. Anything from there is really like extra gravy. But now you have to go against number one seed. And that's what you get for not playing so well during the year. But I'm looking down number one seeds, Alabama. Of course, they wouldn't put us with them. Glad we don't have to play them. Then we got Purdue. Really glad we don't have to play Purdue. They have this really tall lineup. They've always had these amazingly tall lineups at Purdue. They like have these seven-footers constantly. Glad we don't have to play them because I think we've had trouble against tall guys. The other one's Kansas, another P5, big-time major team. I have no idea how great they really are this year. But in general, I think it's better to play the, deal. the G5, smaller mid-major. It doesn't play as much SEC opponents every time or power conference opponents. I know it's different in basketball, but I think overall – will be the first power conference opponent they've played in months. So it's really, I don't know who they, who they beat at a conference. I'm going to look it up. But I just think of the four one seeds, I think Houston's probably the best one to get. Absolutely. I agree. And overall, we have uh, we have some friends and neighbors in our bracket. Uh, Texas A&M is our seven seed. They're going to play 10 seed Penn State in the opening round. And Mississippi State is part of the last four in group. So they're in a play-in against Pittsburgh to match up with Iowa State the sixth seed in our bracket. We have the potential for a little bit of bad blood in our bracket. Texas, a really hot Texas team that has now beaten Kansas twice to end the year, um, is our two seed. And their second week or their second game matchup could be against Texas A&M if Texas A&M can beat oh. Penn State. God, I love March Madness. It's so much fun. There's always so much fun games to watch. Well, and how about but this? I do have... How about this? Oh, go ahead. Real quick, what if uh, what if Auburn does somehow, you know, they beat Iowa and then the, the Birmingham crowd, although it'll be mostly probably half and half Alabama fans cheering for Houston in that Saturday game if both teams advance. But if Auburn beats Houston, they could play Miami in a little, little rematch of, of last year's game or Indiana, which would be like an incredible thing for Auburn basketball to play Indiana in the Sweet 16. Obviously, that's like asking a lot. I just I love this bracket. I I think we got an incredibly generous draw, not only in location but in seed and in the path. I mean, there's good teams in this region, but as a nine seed, that's we haven't we haven't we don't have any big wins, and we and this is our opportunity. And Iowa, we'll, we'll get into it, but um, they are talented. They're in a tough league, maybe a little tougher than the SEC, but um, I I think we have a shot. I think we have a shot in this first round, and then you just see what happens against Houston. And I, I'm looking at this Houston's schedule. I still have pulled up for a pull up uh, Iowa's. Their big wins at a conference against Oregon. They beat Oregon. They beat number 13, Virginia. And they beat a ranked St. Mary's. They lost to Alabama 71-65. 
you know, other than that, it's G5 stuff. It's mid-major stuff. So, you know, those are the big ones. So they have beat some bigger teams. That Virginia honestly plays the way we're kind of playing right now. So that's not great that they beat them. But, hey, they're going to we- they're gonna win some games. It's been a while since they played a major team. So Well, how about their last two? It's also two? interesting. Yeah, look well, at their last two. Yeah, I was going to say just like their last two are against two of the, the few Big Ten teams that didn't make the tournament. They lost to Nebraska and they lost to Ohio State. One and done, like Ben said. Um, I was a team that historically under Frank McCaffrey is going to put put some pressure on you on offense. They're going to have some shooters. Um, they're going to probably test our three point defense. Um, but defensively, they can be had sometimes. And I think they've struggled with inconsistency on that side. And uh, you know, it it's a fun. I, I think it's going to be a really fun game. Honestly, I'm really excited about it. And Iowa's also got a lot to play for because as Iowa's looking at this draw, they're in love with it too. They beat this Iowa State team when they were ranked. Mm-hmm. And when Indiana was ranked, they've actually beaten them twice, uh, as well as their familiarity with the Penn State matchup. So if if I'm Iowa, I'm also looking at this saying that, you know, you've got a real chance here. Right. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be, a, if you're talking about college basketball for me is so much about coaches, right? Like these personalities, yeah. Bruce Pearl, Fran McCaffrey is going to be like, uh, man, there's going to be some some emotions going on on the sidelines. There's going to be a lot of yelling at refs. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I'm, I just, I just, I really am happy with this draw, guys. Like, I just think for the season we've had to end up, and I, I probably won't be there in Birmingham, but I know there's going to be so many people who maybe didn't get to go to that Final Four run, you know, any of those games because they were so far away. Um, there's gonna be a lot of people who get to experience March Madness for the first time as an Auburn fan in person. And I, I think that's really cool. And I think Birmingham scored with this getting both of them. I think it's pretty big for the city. You want to talk and about let's remember the ticket? We're... You want to talk about the ticket yeah, prices, yeah. Matt, you saw? Oh yeah. <laughs> Tickets. So Auburn, Auburn session is more expensive than Alabama's session. So if we ever needed some proof that uh, now granted it's at night, you know, I know Alabama people will say they're all working, which I'm sure is true. Um, but that's it's a last last I saw a cheapest ticket to get in for the Thursday night two game session, which would be Houston's game and our game, um, hundred and sixty bucks last time I checked. So not cheap. And let's remember too, we're we're back in one of those wonderful situations to be in as an Auburn fan across all of our sports. You're going to be familiar with this. Um, we're an underdog. We're pretty much an underdog from here on out. I think it will take. Uh, three upsets in a row before we face a team that has a lower seed than us. Three Unless, upsets. uh, and well, no, two, at least, at least two, uh, if, if Drake can upset Miami, mm-hmm. um, but the, but the odds, the odds of that are very much in our favor to only be playing higher seats from here on out. You know, it, it's, it's not been a great year. It's been a great year by Auburn standards, but by the standards that I think Bruce wants to hold this program to, he would say this year was a little bit of a disappointing year. But um, we are now the David to everyone else's Goliath. And I think this is a role that we really thrive in. Everything, every win from here on out is an upset. I see on there. I'm just, you know, we're learning on the fly over here also. I think Matt and them maybe have done a little more research, but I saw Iowa lost to Northwestern the last time they played, which was interesting. You know, that's a, a common opponent we played against each other. And then also I saw that one of their games against Northwestern got postponed. I didn't know that any games this year got postponed because of COVID. You know, we were talking about that a second ago. They had a game postponed this year because of COVID. I didn't know that was a, uh, even a possibility this year. So another funny little tidbit. I'm trying to find some of their stats here. Hey, I want to uh, go. I want to talk about some of their players. Is that yeah, a- let's go. Yeah, let's talk about Chris Murray first because yeah. he's he, in, in a game where we just had our our six foot eight power forward completely disappear. We're, we're never going to need Jalen Williams' aggressive defense and fantastic body placement on offense more than we will against this matchup. Chris Murray is their leading scorer. He's also their leading rebounder. Six foot eight, two hundred twenty pound junior. Uh, forward from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So hometown kid wears number 24 for the Hawkeyes. Um, but he plays nearly 35 minutes a game, yep. which means we have the chance to throw some bodies at him with Chris Moore and with Jalen, both playing aggressively, hopefully um, like we want them to. This is a Jalen Williams game. I'm glad you said that. I mean, we, we've talked about him all year and how important he is to this team. And it's not always scoring. You know, sometimes it's seven assists, zero turnovers from a power forward spot. Sometimes it's the defense. That's going to be his primary responsibility, if I had to guess. Um, maybe you see some Alan Flanagan on him. Uh, his brother, Keegan Murray, was like a high lottery pick last year. You might remember for Iowa. 
Um, he's playing with the Sacramento Kings, I believe. And he's, he is, he is their best scoring option. And then after that, I would say people need to be aware of uh, two coaches, kids, uh, Patrick McCaffrey and Connor McCaffrey, uh, more outside shooters. One's a forward, one's a guard. Um, Iowa is going, is not typically, I, I will be honest. I've not watched a ton of Iowa basketball this year, but just over the years, um, they're not afraid of taking threes. They're going to push the pace a little bit. Um, they're going to be, a, I'm trying to think of a good team to compare them to like in the league. Nothing's coming to mind, but um, we don't play, we don't play a lot of teams that have this sort of medium style. Um, their three forwards are all six, nine and shorter. So they don't have a guy that plays a true five, but they have some big bodies that they move around inside. We did a lot of SEC teams tend to go towards having a true center, like we do. But I think we even we list Janai uh, as a forward on our roster. I don't think we list him as a pure center. Colin Castleton and Sheboy might be the only ones that you see listed as pure centers. Well, what about um, they're they're averaging over eighty a game, which should tell you something in the rugged Big Ten. Um, I, I think one of my concerns is Big Ten basketball just tends to be like the SEC has been kind of a physical war this year a little more, but man, the Big Ten games are just like bad. Number, number 17 in the country, Iowa, in scoring offense. I was trying to look up some stats over here. The two I've got so far is number 17 in the country in scoring. That's with all the, the mid-majors there. That's really high for a Big Ten team. And then two, an interesting one. They're number 32nd in fouls per game. That's even mm-hmm. higher than us, and we've been getting in all kind of trouble about how many fouls we've been committing per game. We're not even in the top 50. I'll have to find us, but 32 for them. So that's just two interesting ones I saw so far. That's well, let's talk numbers. about their three-point shooting. Yeah. Because as a, as a team, they're hitting 34%, which is crazy. Um, and their top five guys in terms of minutes are all above 32%, which means about one of every three of their three-pointers is going in. So it's really going to be our three-point defense a strength on a strength there. Yeah. And defense overall, right? Like when Auburn's been at their best this year, it's been rugged half court defense, make the other team work for it. And so in some ways I really like that matchup because I I do continue to feel that our offense is just quietly so much better than it was a month or two ago. And it's been really frustrating that we've let leads get away or we've come up short in all these games when we are shooting better, we, we did shoot the best from the three point line in the sec for the last half of the conference season. Like we are shooting better. And I think if we can defend and keep this game in the sixties and seventies against Iowa, you know, can we play to our strength? Can we control the tempo? Can we limit Murray a little bit? Can we make it hard on like we did Brandon Miller both times we played, if we can do some of those things, I think we've got a shot. We we're number sixth in the country in three point defense, which is super impressive. I, I, you know, we talked about that thing a whole podcast back. So nothing's too changed too much there. The only crazy part is that number one is Tennessee. Number two is Houston that we have to play second game. If we make it number three is Alabama. The <laughs> so SEC we, stinks at shooting threes is what that means. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's to Matt's point a little bit. Um, we had nowhere to go, but up. Sure. I mean, I think we were, I think we were out shooting the Mississippi schools uh, in terms of our three point production, but that was about it. Um, and so that was, that was some of that luck metric where eventually the shots just had to start falling. I mean, you can't, you can't miss them all forever if you're practicing, but I don't know if I thought we would have the best percentage in the league for four straight weeks for four. No, that's true. You know what I mean? If you guys, so here's a little mind opportunity here, trying to think of, you know, anything can happen in March and a lot of these narratives of teams end up getting written after the fact that, oh, it was always, oh yeah, of course it was going to end up like that or whatever. If we're trying to be optimistic and excited, this team, how did they do it? How do they pull this off? What's the narrative? If we can make it to the lead eight, what's the narrative? Yeah, I know. Crazy, but hey, crazy things happen in March Madness. I'm trying to be optimistic. If that, if something like that happened, what would it be that they're writing the narrative about? What changed? What what was embraced? Like, what do you what do you see in your mind's eye? If, if I say, I'm from the future, they made the elite eight, you're going to go, this probably happened. Ben, you want to take that or I've got a couple ideas. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll start because uh, I I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. You know, the great thing about college basketball is nothing matters, but when you get hot and uh, the only good thing we can say about this Auburn team, they haven't really gotten hot yet. Um, They have played in a bunch of close games against a bunch of pretty good teams to end this year. And they haven't quite been able to put it together. Um, Bruce is going to have a little bit of extra time. 
we're going to be going against some opponents that are not as familiar with our style. And even more importantly, I think are not as familiar with our bench. You can bet everybody in the state of Iowa has heard of Jani Broom. Um, anybody that's a basketball fan has probably heard of Wendell Green Jr., this little rocket shot of a guard. But up and down the roster, they may not be as familiar with Alan Flanagan. They may not have any idea who Lior Berman, the Hebrew hammer, is. You know, we've got we've got some guys that can make some surprising plays. And the question will just be, can this team figure out how to finish? And the good news is uh, the moral victories are over. Only victories matter from here on out. I think it could be either changing the narrative on the close games and we're due, you know, that's kind of a baseball term. Like sometimes you're just due. You've had rotten luck. You've had missed calls at the end. You've had bad play calls. You've had poor execution. You've had guys hit tough shots on you late. Maybe some of that flips. Um, I think the other piece to that could be like, is this where the veterans help? Like, is this where being in it and getting two games last year for almost all these guys, um, is, is that where it pays off a little bit? And ultimately, can they keep scoring more and defend at the level we know they can? I, I think we have the pieces. I really do. And that's what has been so Jackson frustrating, Jackson's word this year, because I think we've, we know the limitations of this roster, but like, man, we've been so close. We ended up one game behind Tennessee. <laughs> like it's crazy in the SEC standing. Like we were in position the last week of the year to have the double buy. Like we're not that far off from being a good team. And I just, of the year we played winning basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been times where we have, we just haven't strung it together. And it seems crazy that like Jackson said, that we could get to the second weekend based on what we've seen so far, I just wonder, you know, this is kind of a, this is a good Bruce situation. The only other thing I would mention, I think Bruce will have him ready. He's really good in these spots. I think that's why we've hung in all these games. Here's something to think about. Our our road record's not great, but doesn't it, if you go back and look at it this year, haven't we played better on the road than we have in past years? Some, like in terms of the quality of opponents, I feel like we have not been, bothered being away from neville arena quite as I much thought, this I, th- year. I, I thought i saw a stat or sent something to you guys that we hadn't won away from neville arena since like late january now we played some good close what, games what were those losses what were those losses tennessee and alabama kentucky tennessee kentucky. Alabama. still i'm just saying you know they, we still didn't pull them off we uh, haven't Van- won them. Van- vanderbilt vanderbilt texas Ooh. a&m we haven't Georgia. won we i'm i'm just saying in past years it felt like the team was so different neville and away I don't feel that that 2019, 2020 team, you like that. It was night and day. You're like, like so much. We were just like, I want to shut my eyes when we're playing away. It's just so bad. But yeah. And it feels like we're comfortable. Even watching them in Bridgestone last week. Like, yeah, we played really bad and we almost beat an eight seed in the NCAA tournament last Thursday. And we were down 15 and we didn't play well. And he got killed on the glass. I kept looking at my buddy, Bobby, who was like, how are we even like, (laughs) about to potentially win this game like it's insane so I don't think it's wild I I don't think this team's gonna especially going to Birmingham now like I I am pretty confident they're gonna put a good foot forward but obviously Iowa's a good team and Houston's a really good team so we'll just have to see they'll have to prove it to change the narrative like Jackson said ultimately we've had opportunities to kick the door down and win in Tuscaloosa and win in Knoxville and win in Rupp and all and we haven't done it so Let's talk about let's talk a little bit about what you were just talking about, which is that in those games, we played pretty badly and still had a chance to win against Arkansas. We played pretty badly and still had a chance to win. And it wasn't any of the things that you would expect. We weren't shooting ourselves out of the game. We weren't playing crazy out of control, but it was all of the little things that this team normally does well and normally puts together in a really strong way. The rebounding, the positioning, the not giving easy cuts. Um, Bruce's play calls were all fantastic. We called the same backdoor cut play from that three position again and again and again, and we were able to get the ball there again and again and again. And so I think when you look back at a game like the Missouri game, we didn't do anything spectacular in that Missouri game that we won by nearly 20 points that we hadn't done all year. We just did all of the little things that we're capable of the good rebounding, the good spacing, the hard defending exactly to the level that uh, that we are capable of. So it's a matter of not beating ourselves as much as it is 
needing to find an extra gear. And this to is... me, to me, it's turnover. It, it's it, the the way I've thought about it in my head is like we have such a low margin for error. You just can't give away easy points. Like on defense, we can't get turn the ball over fifteen times and let the other team get out and transition and get easy buckets where we can't set our defense. We can't give up line drive layups to the basket like we did against Arkansas time and time again. We were playing a weird defense. I still don't know exactly what we were doing, but um, too much zone. It kind of was a zone, but it was also in person. It was really weird. I I had never seen anything like it from an Auburn team to be honest. I, we had a very interesting approach to that it, from my eyes, but I just. We have to make it we, – we can't give them easy stuff. We've got to make it hard on them and make the game more of a rock fight and settle into that kind of game. I think maybe part of the problem as we've shot better is maybe we haven't leaned into that identity a little bit. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not super fun. But holding teams to low shooting percentages and in the 60s is a good recipe for this team. We've talked about 70 all year. 70 has become less important because we're not quite holding teams down as much. I, uh, you know, if I'm doing this thought experiment, like I was talking about in my head, we're going into the elite eight game and, and the CBS announcers or whoever are saying like, oh man, this team has really turned it on and pulled some upsets. How did we get here? They're going to come in. They're going to say, well, this was a veteran team and man, they've been great on defense all year, but they have absolutely locked in on defense. These other teams have been smothered. They haven't let an opponent above 60 points in this entire March Madness. And look at this. Their three-point pursuing all year has been bad. It's been terrible. But in the last five to six games before the tournament started, they started hitting a couple of things. These vet guys start hitting their open looks. And in this tournament, with that locked-in defense, they start hitting their open looks. And look, they're shooting above 33% now from three, which is huge for this team. And look at Jalen Williams. They needed somebody to step up. They needed a star. And Jalen Williams is a man possessed right now. He finally turned that corner. He kind of fought the ball away. And for some reason now in this NCAA tournament, he is averaging 18 points a game right now, hitting a couple threes. <laughs> that's what it's going to take in my head. And that's what it will sound like if that, if, if we pull it off. Could it be Hamburglar, Katie Johnson, which for the first time all year, it was both ends. People are going to look at the scoring 20 plus points. That's not what we needed when we were down 15. He was immediately involved in multiple turnovers and made great passes out in transition and keyed things. He made things happen. And they were good things. And we haven't said that enough this year. And it, it, I think for this team to get to something like an Elite Eight, it's going to take a crazy storyline or two, kind of like your hit. I think that's a really good way to frame it, Jackson. That's good. I, I think well, KD is going to be a tough one to like. I can't imagine building around his franticness, but I can imagine some other players. I can imagine Jalen turning the corner the way Chumo Kiki did and become a big Chum like that. He's got He's shown it at times. I could see Alan Flanagan turning that corner, starting to hit some threes, and then Bruce being like, we are riding Alan Flanagan. We just didn't know he had that in him right now yet. Or third, I could see Joe Knight Broom coming out and scoring 20-plus points a game. But I think we're going to need Joe Knight Broom to do that on top of a Jalen Williams or an Alan Flanagan. But there's always – I think, like, that's the third in line in my head. Is well, let me talk – I can just go off. Yeah. Let me talk a little bit about some of the problems that Janai has had lately um, since it's become clear to everybody that he is a star in this league. Second team, All-SEC – um, it's just a fantastic offensive presence. If he has a weakness right now, it's his passing. Um, we've seen him get the ball at the top of the key a lot, and those backdoor cuts have been there. I've seen more guys cut into the basket with the ball in Janai's hands, and his passing is not strong, and his court vision is not as strong as I would hope um, it could be. And so we have this issue a lot of times as the game progresses where they're going to start sending two guys at him because they're not afraid of Janai passing it to an open guy on the backside, they know that we cannot from deep in deep in the paint, get the ball around to the backside of the key. So Janai sees a lot of double defenders when we are struggling offensively. So that's why I think it's a lot more likely that you see a guy like Jalen Williams or Alan Flanagan step up. They can soften that defense by hitting their mid range jumpers. But one of the things that I would like to take credit for uh, is ever since Flanagan has entered the starting lineup, we've all been talking about where our points going to come from on the bench. Mm -hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they've come from the man that I wanted benched permanently, <laughs> Katie Johnson. So I need the mea culpa here that he has finally evolved as our scoring threat when the starters are out of the game. And it's been pivotal. I sure hope that's consistent. I would love for that to be, I'd love for the narrative to be Katie turned it around and goes nuts. I just don't see it right now, but. And, and again, I think we, so for a player like KD, who, again, I just can't believe was preseason All-SEC this year, um, we look at his offense, and I just think there was something – the two things he was incredible at last year were, were 
finding extra possessions by being crazy and forcing turnovers and creating havoc. And mostly it was good last year. Um, we, we knew there was give and take, but like it was mostly good. And then he was great in late game situations. And I know we're going to say, well, that hasn't been there this year. Well, he's closed a bunch well, of games. And I was at Vanderbilt when he hit a cold-blooded three to tie the game with 10 seconds to go. And he has started the last few weeks. He's just been playing a lot better. It hasn't all, it's never going to be beautiful and consistent, but is he a threat? He wasn't a threat guys for weeks. I mean, he's a threat now at least, and he has to be feeling much better about himself and how he's playing. And maybe if for nothing else, the locker room, the coaches, he himself going after that Arkansas game is like, okay, like that's big for this team. If he could just be a, Double digit score off the bench that's not shooting 16 times, which he hasn't been all year, to be fair. He has no, not been crazy. He's been so disciplined with the shot selection. But to go back and talk about your defense, one of the great takeaways for me from the Arkansas game, uh, with how much we got boomed at the beginning of that game, I was really doubting the scout. But um, as the game went on, we saw more and more of our guys stepping into passing lanes. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% knowing the scout, knowing what they're trying to run, and knowing where the ball is going to go. We saw Chris Moore do it. We saw Alan Flanagan do it. We saw Katie Johnson do it again and again and again late in that game when we needed stops and when we needed to force turnovers. And so you want to talk about that veteran uh, storyline. That's going to be it. It's how much do these guys commit to the film study, commit to understanding their roles, understanding their assignments, and then can go out there and execute it, can recognize what they're seeing on the floor and then make a play around it. And, And we all agree that those have been good all year for the most part. And I think the kids have done a really good job of like, doing that like and i don't my only complaint you're right we i think we were playing a weird mesh thing and playing those passing lanes from my angle and my vantage point it just felt like we were giving six foot seven nba player anthony black like straight line drives down the side of the paint to his right hand and that just kept killing us and none of our guys could block it we couldn't our guards obviously aren't quick enough to recover and defend that so that was my only complaint but you're right looking back and thinking back like we did force some turnovers and we were a little active. I think we were trying to keep the ball out of the middle. We were trying to give them the wing and try yeah. to take away some middle stuff. Yeah. Uh, Iowa number 29 in the country in turnover margin. So they're pretty good at keeping the ball themselves, turning people over uh, Houston number six in the country at turnover margin and number one, which you think, okay, that's not great. We want to turn them over. You know, we've had this part of our, our, our defense at times. Missouri, number one at turnover margin, and we boomed them. So, hey, anything can happen there, but those are some interesting stats. Well, but let's talk a little bit about their overall stats in terms of their defense. They don't have a guy that averages two steals a game on their entire roster. Uh, They have, uh, let me see here. I'm curious if you guys, I mean, we're not Iowa experts. If you guys know of any (laughs) matchup issues, you know, I, I, I talk about, I didn't want to play some seven footer guys at Purdue. I don't know if Iowa's got tall guards, if they, you know, I don't know if we can only talk yeah, as they much got some, as we know about, but they got some tall guards. Um, Tony Do Perkins, they... Tony Perkins is six, four, and then Connor McCaffrey is six, six. So what's going to be difficult about that is it's going to block up some of our passing. You know, if they try to run that style that we saw a lot of teams run where they send two guys at Wendell and trap early, um, we're going to need guys that are coming back to the basket. We're going to need cutters trying to find those lanes and we're going to need a lot of solid early screen action. But no, they don't have like a big, they don't have a Liam Robbins. They don't have a big seven foot guy. Janai is going to be one of, if not the biggest guys on the floor, most of the time he's out there. And so will Dylan Cardwell, who quietly had a great game against Arkansas with seven points. You know who's last in the Big Ten in uh, scoring defense by a very wide margin? Who? Please be Iowa. Yes. All right. Good for us. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of what I meant. I didn't want to say that uneducatedly, but historically, Iowa is a more offensive focused push the tempo, hit threes, kind of higher scoring game. And this year is no different. You know, um, I mean, 13th place in the Big Ten is Minnesota, who is terrible. They were like two wins in the league. They gave up 71 a game. Iowa 74 and a half per game all year, counting non-conference. So Auburn better get in the 70s in this game. (laughs) And let's talk to the other thing that's going to be a big concern for us that we've uh, pined for because we've seen it from other teams is these guys that can hit transition threes. Um, Auburn doesn't really have a guy. KD has sort of become that guy for us over the last couple of weeks where it seems like if he gets the ball in the spot with not a lot of people around him, he gets the look that he wants. He's going to pull up and he's going to hit it. 
Um, Iowa has guys that can do that across the floor. So they don't average a ton of steals, but they tend to frustrate you defensively and maybe force some bad passes or otherwise force some turnovers. So that's going to be the key for us is keeping them out of their transition three game because a couple of bad turnovers in transition threes suddenly, you know, a one or two point game is now a seven or eight point game uh, in the span of just a couple of possessions. Well, let's wind this thing out a bit more and talk about some of these other SEC teams in NCAA. Uh, you mentioned that Junai Broom got second team all SEC. Congratulations. Super cool. Well-deserved. I think he needs to be on some more lists for great transfers this year. I think, I mean, if there's five better players in the transfer portal, I, I that's crazy to me because I what we got out of Junai Broom was amazing this year. Wendell Green, also second team all SEC. I know there's a lot of Wendell haters out there and people that are upset with how he played. I think we put a little too much pressure on him, but he got second team all SEC as a point guard. So just, you know, showing you out there the, the media respect for him at point guard. Uh, you know, and then we got to talk about who won the league, who won the SEC tournament. Bama won no, we both. Don't. We have no, we to don't. say it at least. They won both. It sucks. I hate it. We don't have to get in the, the whole background of some of their players and things that happened this year and how messed up this entire year has been. But they make the tournament as a one seed. Would you say eight other SEC teams make it? I saw Mississippi State was uh, one of the last four to make it in. We talked about that. Seven plus us, eight total. Um, my last Iowa thing, I was still looking up stats. Last in the Big Ten in scoring defense. Last in the Big Ten in free field goal percentage defense. Last in the Big Ten in three point percentage defense. So it's one of the it. You can look at it like a great matchup for us. Where it's like, yeah, we can defend them and hold them way below eighty, which was first in the Big Ten in scoring. So really good on offense. But can we can we take advantage of a statistically weaker defense? It's been trending better, but I'm sure y'all are like me. Like we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to see Auburn score 80 in a tournament game, you know, where it matters to believe it probably. But that's maybe a good omen. We'll see. And they say guards run the the March Madness. You want great guards, and that's how it's always been. That's not our strength. So we'll see if we can prove them wrong. But that that's been a big saying the last what ten years is that the guards run March Madness. Well, let's remember we do have two of the top defensive guards in 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 the conference. I would say mm-hmm. uh, in Zeb Jasper and in Trey Donaldson's defense as a backup point guard. Um, I wouldn't say Wendell's known for his defense, but there have only been a couple of times I've really felt he's been liability this year. Unfortunately, one of those was the Arkansas game, uh, um, uh, the Tennessee game a little bit too. So you could see that Wendell may be trending down. But my uh, my assumption is we're not the only ones that see that. The coaches have seen that in the film room. Uh, they're probably going to be getting on him this week to make sure that his defensive effort is there as well as his shooting. It's just be. going down, just going down the bracket here. I see Bama number one. I see Missouri as a seven seed, which is above us. It's just super interesting to see who we beat and who we lose to and how it goes up and down. I see Tennessee as a four seed. How the mighty have fallen. They were like a a one seed, two seed situation. They fall in the four. We can just hope that they have another Rick Barnes march. You know, they, their whole season could turn around if they make a little run here. But, you know, Rick Barnes is stereotyped as he can't do anything in March. Can I, Kentucky, can I say something about that real quick? Because I was watching the, the tournament reveal with a Tennessee fan. Um, brutal draw. Tennessee's only made the Elite Eight once, and that was Bruce Pearl one time. Um, they have to play a good Louisiana Lafayette team because they fell to that four line. Their second round matchup potentially is Duke, who's won like fit 11 games in a row, and they have a lot of talent. And then if they get past all that, potentially the one seed in Purdue would block them from going to the Elite Eight. So I really like that difficult draw as somebody who cheers against Tennessee. I see Kentucky at number six against Providence. Going back on the other side, I see us at number nine. It's just interesting to see you know Kentucky moved up to a six. Tennessee fell to a four. We were below Missouri. We fell all the way to ninth down the stretch there as a seed. Uh, we got Texas A&M at the seven seed. They went all the way to the SEC championship and lost to Bama. They've been kind of hot. They've had a man, surprising year for them. They've Pretty disrespectful well. to A&M. I know they had a terrible non-conference, but most people thought they would be a five, maybe a six. Yeah, that's a tough That's a tough. That's one where I think if they'd won, they might have done that up. But here you're the March Madness breakdown and the and the seeding is always such a good reminder of the the role the analytics play in all this. Part of the reason why Missouri is so high is because of their efficiency numbers. They're they're not a flashy basketball team in terms of their record or in terms of their schedule, but they have a star in Kobe Brown and they play good, clean basketball. I see down the line here. Another thing with Texas A&M, I've heard from some different experts that the NCAA uh, committee really wants to make a point with them last year that they're at a conference 
schedule was not good enough and they needed to step it up. They didn't step it up. And here they are again, moving back in seeds because of that. They couldn't deny them this year, but they could still punish them for it. I think I I'm with the NCAA committee. I know a lot of fans and uh, especially uh, talking heads on ESPN and stuff really love to point down the last couple of games and get all upset about things, but the whole season matters. And well, I think that's what the, the committee tries to say is like, we can't play around and pretend like the first 50% of the season doesn't matter. You got to give them credit, man. Cause like they went 15 and three in the league and they were bad in the non-conference. So Buzz Williams, I've always thought it's a great coach. He's done a great job, but you're right. The whole season matters and the schedule you play matters. And I know our fan base is a little new to all this. This is a great, as frustrating of a season as this is, be very grateful that we have coaches on this staff that are smart enough to put together a schedule that was doable for this team to make the tournament. Cause there's a lot, you go listen to our interview with coach Burgomaster. There's a lot that goes into that. And it is very intentional to play these teams. I know they're not always super fun, but this year we absolutely needed that. If we had had a different SEC teams, non-conference schedule, we would have either been not in or really, really, really close on the bubble. Well, and just let's remember too, that there's a, a very strange Colorado team out West that beat that Texas A&M team and hung 103 points on them uh, in the Myrtle beach invitational. And that also went to Knoxville and beat Tennessee on Rocky top. It was in Nashville and I got to watch it. It was a great, oh, that was game. Nashville. Okay. It was a great game to watch. Uh, next, next on the list, number eight, Arkansas. That'll be an interesting to one to watch. If you don't pay super far attention, you might not know this, but Arkansas has had two or three years in a row now where they have not, they've had some up and down early sec, losing some games. People going, what is going wrong with Rick Musselman? And then they go to the lead eight. I think they went to the lead eight two years in a row now out of nowhere, kind of, or from a higher seed. And this year's another classic example where they lost a bunch of sec games early and they've gotten a little hot lately with Nick Smith on there. Just watch, please like be crossing your fingers. They need to lose early because if they go elite eight again, or even sweet 16 Musselman's going to recruit off that again. That's how he got all the recruits he got now was getting hot in March. And as much as Rick Barnes' stereotype is the opposite, Musselman's stereotype, if he can pull this off, is going to be Mr. March. They're not that hot. They they went 8-10, and 10 and they almost lost to us with all their and NBA I, players. But, I got good news for you, Jackson. Guess who's their second matchup if they if they manage to get past Illinois? Uh, let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, Kansas? Kansas. Damn, I'm the, good. I <laughs> one, of the, one of the best teams uh, – in America, defending national champions. Uh, Kansas has been cooling off, but in my mind, that's only going to make them piping mad coming into the dance. I see they're playing Illinois also. For some reason, I got on a weird Illinois kick the other day and looked up their Wikipedia. In my head, Illinois was always a great basketball program because they got really, like, they were really good in, like, the mid-2000s, and they went to national championship in 2005. And I guess, like, when you're in middle school or whatever, that's when you really start paying attention to things, like, ingrain in your head what well, a great Jackson, team is. They haven't been great that. in anything. Team- that team went 37 and 0 and lost the only game that matters to North Carolina in the championship. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's just... why that's part of that's part of why that stuck so much in your brain because uh, I, I, I well, actually no, I think they might have lost one more. I think they might have lost their final regular season game. But either way, that that team nearly won 40 games of basketball in college, and that's the reason why it's so etched into your mind. Everybody our age or close to our age has super fond memories of that Illinois team. I find it interesting. I have the same thing. Darren Williams, Luther Head, a bunch of guys who played in the NBA. That was a fun team. I remember that championship game with Carolina. You're you're right, but they they had a lot of. Uh, I, I looked up their Wikipedia and was like shocked that they hadn't done anything since then or before then. And then also, like I remember vividly when they retired their mascot, they had a Native American mascot that they needed to get rid of. The Illini did this final dance on the on the thing. I was, I was ready to look at it and be like, that's when they stopped, started sucking. But then I realized they had sucked way, but like most of the time before that, but that's who Arkansas is playing. And the last sec team to make it in made it into this stupid bull crap, uh, play in games that I hate. Can you imagine if you make the NCAA tournament, but you made the play in NCAA tournament, that's such bull crap. It's number 11 seed Mississippi state against number 11 seed pit. That just, uh, can you even really count that you made it in? Like, it's such a, it's like kissing your sister situation. Like, it's just, it shouldn't happen. It's just, they want more games for more commercials and more money to be made. And here we are. They're going to do 10 more of these and they're just going to keep expanding. Yeah. They, uh, well, you got to remember that one of the other things that, that the tournament loves is narrative. Money. They love and money. <laughs> they love, they love money. Yes. But what the play in games do is they give teams, 
a chance to win a game that might not ordinarily win and maybe pick up a little bit of momentum and maybe make things interesting. Because I believe there's, uh, what, 11 seeds that do a play-in, and then there's a 15, or is it a 16 seed? Yeah, two 11s and yeah. two 16s. Yeah, so you, you put you put two of them smack in the middle, um, and then you put two of them, obviously, at the tail end. Maybe give them a little chance to get some momentum before they go up against the almighty number one overall seed. Well, they wouldn't be in. I think that's the thing some people miss about the final or the, the first four. Um, the teams that wouldn't be in this field are playing in those 11 seed matchups. So if you're Mississippi State, you obviously love the first four now because you get to get in. And uh, it does count. I don't like it. I hate it. If Auburn, though, was in the last four in, you're dang sure I'd be I'd be glad they have 68, not 64. The other thing I would say, there's a big push to go to 96 teams. Don't do it. It's ridiculous. Uh, if you you should have to go close to 500 in your league to have a chance to get in. It's not that hard. I just I don't I don't like it. It's it's already it kind of ridiculous as is. We love it, but it's ridiculous already how large it is, and that's why we call it March Madness and all that. Anything larger than this, then we might as well not play the regular season anymore. We might just roll that dice out every time. And it doesn't help to sneak more mid majors in. It really doesn't. We don't need anybody from the West Coast it, Conference. I mean, look if, at the way the West Coast Conference structures their conference tournament. Gonzaga plays one game or two games a year in their conference tournament. Do we really need Grand Valley that's, that's State we, University in there? If they're so desperate to have more teams in March Madness or to embrace more ways to like promote more college basketball teams, figure out a way to promote these conference tournaments a little better because we enjoy it when we get into it, man. That the year that we went on a run to win this SEC tournament, how fun was that? in Nashville with all the different fan bases and everything. It's still growing a bit there. I feel like there's still some untapped potential and like we're gathering all SEC fan bases in one place for three or four days. I don't know how else to like, if you move it back a little further, give it a little more gap or I don't know that the strategy would be, but I think that there's an untapped market there. And if you're talking about 96, you might as well start, like, you know, you might as well just push it back because they're already doing tournaments with tons of teams before this. You don't need to push back another week or two. Uh, the last stuff I want to talk about tournament wise was just going through and seeing what other teams we played. I know we we talked about all the different we talked through all the SEC teams we played. But if we're looking down the bracket here, nothing on the first side. West Virginia's got West a Virginia. chance to play Alabama. Yep. In the, oh, it's in West Virginia. Round. Oh, you're yeah, right. There's West Virginia. So they play Maryland. They could play Alabama. I'm trying to find any other ones we have in Memphis. Here on uh, Memphis will be likely facing number one overall seed Purdue if they can survive a matchup against a hot FAU team in that first round. Um, Florida Atlantic has been a popular dark horse team to maybe pull some stuff off. They have the disadvantage of being drawn opposite Purdue, one of like the most fundamentally sound teams in the tournament. But um, FSU's or FAU's been pretty hot all year. It's much harder for me to see all. Like, I see Northwestern's over here. We we played that epically low scoring battle with them. They play Boise State before they have to play probably the number two seeded UCLA. I don't know. If, I guess we. How many other teams do we have in here? I know we USC. About USC's got a uh, nice blue blood matchup with Michigan State as a seven seed. I was kind of hoping that was going to be our matchup because I think they're playing in Albany. Um, so Jackson and I might have made a little road trip. Uh, so USC's in there. Their second round matchup will likely be against Marquette. Uh, I believe Marquette won the Big East. Is that right? Uh, if not, they made the tournament final. Yeah. Colgate plays Texas, the number two seed. That's a classic Colgate game right there. 15 seed Colgate. We can, I'm, that's going to be, I don't know what the time is it, 725 on Thursday? I might have to go down to the Colgate bar after our game's over. And hey, that's going to be a popular upset pick. Uh, Texas is really hot right now, so it's going to be hard feels, to get a good piece of Texas. It feels about, but... uh, feels about every year there's a 215, right? Yeah. There's, there's another classic one. What's the classic seeds that? 512. 512. That's always an upset. That one's like, you might as well lock that one in. 5 is definitely happened. I feel like almost every year recently we've seen a 215. We saw that uh, that dunk team from Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast was a 15 seed, I believe, that made the Sweet 16. That was a fun one. It'll be curious to see if we have another St. Peter's in the house. Well, and you're right to mention the 12s. This year, all four 12s are the top four uh, automatic qualifying mid-majors, and they are all good. Oral Roberts, Charleston um shout out marlene's old uh old gig and zep jasper's old place yep and drake and bcu so like they're all capable those are going to be awesome they always are awesome matchups unless you're auburn and you're a five seed and then it's no fun at all 
Didn't Oral Roberts went on a a tear one year not too long ago, right? They played Duke. That'll be a big. Uh, a big I think game. a lot of people will be tuning in to see if they can take down the bad guys, the villains in Duke there. And you have to think if Oral Roberts can get past Duke, the way they've been shooting the basketball, teams are going to like uh, voters are going to like them against Tennessee. They're going to like them against Purdue because the only way that you're going to beat Purdue is to hit shots from the outside, and that's something Oral Roberts has done in spades down the stretch. So I think they're going to be a lot of people's popular uh, Cinderella team for a Speed 16 run. I'm hoping for an Oral Roberts Louisiana matchup. Personally, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Tennessee <laughs> lose and Duke lose. You know, that's me personally. Any other thoughts, guys, on NCAA tournament stuff? I'm just so psyched that we get to do this again. It's kind of like we've we've trudged through the SEC a bit in frustration on some of these games, but man, like when you finally see your name again in these brackets and remember how many years we went without seeing our names in the brackets, like theoretically for a while there, I think I'm not, I think this will be the first year I don't do it. Maybe it'll be a reverse jinx, but every year since Bruce has gotten us in the tournament, I have put my bracket in with Auburn going all the way. As I said, if Auburn's going to pull it off, I'm not going to be the Auburn fan that didn't have them doing it. Hey, in our final four run year, I won the bracket my in my bracket tournaments because I had Auburn going all the way. I don't think I'm going to do it this year, but hey, man, I hope I reverse jinx it and they pull it off and I, I got egg on my face for not doing it. I mean, look, I, you got to like our odds for getting to the Sweet 16. There, It's about as friendly a draw as we could have hoped for. I think we match up pretty well with Houston, um, particularly I mean, with the way that we play. Yeah, particularly with the way that we play defense, I think we match up pretty well with Houston. Um, and, you know, there was never, there's never going to be an easy path to the Sweet 16. You're going to play quality teams everywhere you go. You got to bring your best basketball and you got to hope you're playing your best basketball. The only thing that's going to make me feel slightly better this year than last year was last year's team never faced consequences for bad play until that Miami game. Um, they won a lot of close games. They won a lot of games we probably shouldn't have because we fooled around and and leaned on our stars too much. This team doesn't have that luxury. So they've they've had a lot of close games. And they've had to figure out a lot of different ways to score and a lot of different ways to play defense. Some some housekeeping for the podcast. We'll be doing a post-game show after the NCAA tournament. It might be a little wonky exactly what time it'll come out, but we're going to do one. For every game, that's the plan. As long as we keep winning, as long as we keep losing, either way. And then we will plan to do an end of season into like the we'll get a big picture situation after the NCAA tournament's completely over, and we'll talk big picture. We did that last year. I think me and Matt went for like four hours. I think uh, I don't know how many people listen to that one, but we had to get our own thoughts out after such an amazing season that ended so badly. I hope Ben enjoyed it. So we'll do <laughs> a uh, we'll do a big season wrap. So don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, that's called the postmortem, which will be fun this year because there's been a lot to, to be angry about. Um, well, if you, I mean, it may be fun is the wrong word. I just want to point out, I don't know if we fully – Jackson, you're big on cultural moments. Y'all are, we're all kind of have roots in Alabama. If Auburn wins and Alabama wins on Thursday, I just want to make sure everybody's aware, Birmingham is hosting a double header to get to the Sweet 16 that everybody will have the same ticket to watch Alabama versus whoever and Auburn versus most likely Houston. Can you like, that's a cultural moment in the state of Alabama for basketball that you're going to have cheering for your team. And it stinks for Auburn, right? Cause Alabama's the one seed and we're having to play a one seed. But I mean, that that's a pretty cool thing to be at. I won't be there probably, but I just want to like make sure everybody understands like that is a really unique, like that'll probably never happen again. That's kind of a cool You'll- thing. You'll have to feel bad. I won't feel too bad for them, but you got to feel a little bad for the Houston fans. They're going to try to get like, this is their big season. They're going to try to get tickets to go to Birmingham and they're going to have to fight Auburn and Alabama fans for those tickets on Saturday. If we both make it. So they will be, uh, that won't be great ticket price for them. And Hey, listen, I know we don't talk about other sports, but I just want to remember the last time there were a bunch of Houston fans that rolled into Birmingham to watch them play Auburn. And uh, we were, we were reeling then just as we might be reeling a little bit now. So uh, let's take care of business against Iowa. Let's make some plays early. Let's feed Janai Broom. Let's have the Jalen. Let's have Cancun Jalen back. Can we have Cancun Jalen back? Let's have Cancun Jalen Birmingham, Birmingham Jalen. Cancun Jalen. I like the it. Other Birmingham Jalen. There was another great one he had, right? Was it Atlanta or was it uh, somewhere we, he went? Outside of Atlanta. <laughs> somewhere. Let's get it. Out of Neville, uh, neutral Seattle, field. Seattle, Seattle, Jalen, Seattle, Jalen, out of Neville, out of a uh, neutral site, Jalen is very good. Hey, if we can pray that Iowa will play a zone, you'll see Cancun, Jalen, but I just don't think we're going to get that lucky. <laughs> Any other thoughts? I guess, I guess, last thing for me is just 
I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'll say it again at the end, we're doing the Charles Barkley bracket. I believe it's called Barkley's Final Four or Final Four pick here. Charles Barkley's Final Four bracket the next round. Win Chuck's Bucks. Pick the perfect men's bracket and win $1 million. Ben has his Charles Barkley face. I've got my Charles Barkley face. Matt it is not good at his job. He did not bring his Charles Barkley face, but we're let's excited make the dream. It. Let's make the dream come true, boys. Make sure you put the jungle Sorry, dash Charles, with your name or some sort of variation of that, and I will keep an eye out for it. We will talk about it on the pod. Excited to see Charles Barkley on March Madness. Other thing, Jackson, did you watch the show? Did you watch the selection show live? I did not, no. Listen, they uh, Alabama's the number one overall seed. First time ever, the number one seed for Alabama. You know what the sentence they said right after it was? They talked about Brandon Miller and the murder incident. There like, we go. On Thank national you. TV. I just want to keep hammering that home that they're talking about it. Good. I want to hear that narrative continue because it's it me- I'm about to say that I'm about to say another F word. It's messed up that this is still happening, that this is like interfering with our fun sport. I hate it. I hate it. I know. I just want to make sure you knew that because it, no, it's it good. Kind of, it's good. I've never heard that before on the selection show. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, it's not happened before, I don't think, in college basketball that we have to talk about this stuff. Fair point. All right. I'm just going to be over here with Charles. Y'all do what you got to do. <laughs> All, All right. right. We good. Any, any other thoughts? Are we good? We're good. War Eagle. All right, guys. War Eagle. Let's go dancing. <laughs>